Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting to Know You. I'm your host, Jen Dawson. I am the Associate Director of Educational Programs for the Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance. And joining me today is the lovely Dr. Jillian Rourke. Dr. Rourke is a pediatric dermatologist at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center and clinical assistant professor of dermatology and pediatrics at Geisel School of Medicine. She is founder and co-chair of Pedra's Down Syndrome-focused study subgroup. She has a monthly Down Syndrome dermatology clinic at Dartmouth-Hitchcock, where she sees both children and adults with Down Syndrome, and she has given many national lectures and podcasts to improve education and awareness of skin care in people with Down Syndrome. You may recognize her voice from the PEDRA Points of Discussion episode on Down Syndrome. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Rourke. I'm so excited to get to know you better. Oh my gosh, Jen. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you. So let's start with some basics. Tell us about your path to pediatric dermatology. Yeah. So I have to say it was not a direct path. Um, I always knew that I wanted to go into pediatrics. Um, and, um, I actually started out in college thinking that I wanted to be like a French professor and, um, you know, teach college students, but then, um, you know, found my way to medicine. And so when I started out in medical school, I knew that I wanted to go into some kind of pediatric subspecialty. And I was actually initially like really interested in acute care and mm -hmm. thought a lot about going into ICU medicine and, um, you know, combining that with anesthesia. And so a lot of my focus, um, was that and kind of pain management, uh, uh, so I was really lucky as a medical student to um, kind of early on work a little bit with Rob Sedberry. I forget how I met him, um, but he was doing an education project on eczema action plans. And so I met Dr. Sedberry then at Boston Children's and worked on a little project with him. Um, and so when I realized really late <laughs> as a fourth year medical student, that I loved so many aspects of acute care, but wasn't sure if that was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I actually decided just to apply for general pediatrics and do a bunch of rotations um, just to kind of fill, fill my bucket with as much pediatric knowledge as I could get. And, you know, 30% of primary care visits, I think that's a percentage, are for something on the skin. So I was like, well, you know, I really liked working with Dr. Sidbury. Um, and why don't I do a derm rotation? So I did a derm rotation in November of my fourth year. And I'll never forget my husband when I came home, maybe like partway through the second week was like, you should do pediatric dermatology. I've never seen you like so happy. Um, and I, you know, I remember um, actually back in college, one of my mentors saying like, you're going to figure out what you want to do in life when you feel like you found your lunch table. Like when you walk into the cafeteria and like you find your people you want to sit with. And I have to say, even within a, a week or two of really working in that department, I was like, you know what? I think I found my peeps. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's a, a testament to our community. And obviously the content was really fascinating to me. And 
I mean, I actually was just working with a medical student today and telling him this story. And he's like, so what was it about pediatric dermatology content wise? And I know it's, it's hard to kind of summarize it, you know, in a brief <laughs> answer, but you know, I think we're really privileged to work with um, healthy children and be able to help them and be able to use treatments that are extremely effective. But we're also really privileged to work with very, very sick children and try to grapple with their disease, you know, both with them individually, but also their parents and really be subspecialists in conditions that nobody else can tackle. And so I think that balance is just incredible. Like I feel so lucky that I can see and diagnose the kid with Bloom syndrome and then I can talk someone through a war, you know? Um, so I think it was the community, but also the content. Um, and then so realizing this so late, I was really fortunate that the folks at Boston Children's um, actually let me do a research year. Um, Marilyn Yang was, um, and, and still is like, a, um, has been such a big influence in my career. And she scrapped, scrapped into that for me and Chen Huang and Steve Gellis and all the, the crew there. So I was there for about a year and then went on to PEDS intern year and then pediatric dermatology, uh, so dermatology residency and then PEDS derm at UMass with Dr. Wiss and Dr. Balazarian and the rest of the crew there. So, wow. Yeah. Kind of long-winded answer. Sorry. No, I, I <laughs> love that. Um, you know, I talked to so many members who have these very unconventional paths to pedsterm and, yeah. uh, it, it just, it surprises me every time. There's just something about, like you said, this community and this work mm -hmm that really resonates with people. So I, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to the very beginning of your story. Sure like, mm -hmm. What makes you shift from wanting to study French to going to medical school? Like, like yeah. So I think there were a couple of things. Um, you know, I did a fair amount of academic research when I was an undergrad, um, mostly archival research. I, my thesis was actually on the Haitian revolution and, um, I, you know, I just remember like very, you know, there's kind of these vivid moments in your life, like walking and having your husband say, I think you should do this because you seem happy. But I just remember like sitting in this archive, like rummaging through <laughs> all of these documents and like dust was wafting everywhere. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I think I need a little bit more meaning than like this kind of research as important as it is to understand the Haitian revolution. Um, so I think that was part of it. It was, you know, I just, I didn't know if the research that I was going to do as an uh, academic, you know, French PhD was really going to kind of complete my full self. And then, I mean, I love teenagers. That's why partially I went to, into pediatric dermatology, love teenagers and I love newborn babies. So it's like the perfect mm -hmm. job. Um, but I thought that teaching just the same age group, like my whole mm -hmm. life, that that was um, just maybe not going to be enough for me. Um, and I have always wanted to be a teacher <laughs> and an educator. And, and I think that that really drew me to medicine and the importance of communication and the art of language. And I think that also drew me to Durham, right? Like we mm -hmm. are expert linguists as dermatologists. We yeah. love all of that. Um, so, um, 
And then, you know, I, I have a father who's a family practice doctor. And I think as so many children whose um, parents are physicians, I mean, my dad, I mean, both of my parents have been such big mentors um, to go into the medical field, but we're just not always sure, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're like, well, you know, we got to explore other things first before we're like, absolutely, I want to go into uh, to medicine. I also have to say, you know, um, I was lucky where I did my undergrad that the pre-med advisor there was very much so an advocate of um, studying the humanities and like learning an art or a language or, you know, going into mathematics, like not really pigeonholing yourself into, I want to be a doctor, I need to do pre-med. And so, you know, even when I thought about it as a fourth year undergrad, he was still just like, I think it's awesome. You're a French major, whatever, you can figure this out at some point. So, so yeah, so that's kind of how I shifted into medicine. And I took some time off in between, Mm. um, you know, undergrad and medical school to really try to figure it out and take Orgo and all that joyful stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Do a post-bac, but I mean, I think there's a lot of people who kind of have that, you know, non-conventional path, or at least we know where I went to medical school, there was a big contingency of us who didn't know since we were, you know, 12 that we wanted to be doctors or whatever, you know? So, yeah, I mean, almost all of, all of the people that have been on this show have, Mm -hmm. have come to it, you know, by trying other things first, which is, I think, I think really cool because somehow not to say that if you were, you know, woke up one day and you were like, I'm born to do this, but when you kind of had those other life experiences, it it sort of shapes your approach and you, you kind of come into it with this, like more there, you kind of come in with some wisdom already. Right. Yeah. I mean, not to be like, I'm reading this book, but I'm going to say, I'm reading this book right now that is called Range. And it's really interesting. It talks a lot about this, that like Mm -hmm. in this hyper-specialized world, there's this, you know, kind of thought process that you need to very early on in your career Mm -hmm. or even in your childhood or early on in your growth and development, kind of figure out what you're good at and really invest yourself in that. Right. And so, you know, there's some things where that might be the case, like if you're a master chess player or, you know, things like that, but the majority of us, you know, and which is the point of this book is, you know, we tend to accelerate and um, thrive and be happier if we have a range of experiences, because we're going to take all of that mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, um, ultimately uh, use all of that and what we end up being the most passionate about, you know. And so and like I have to say today, <laughs> I used my French major twice. Oh, <laughs> you know, um, so one of my patients had a birth date on, um, you know, the, uh, J- July 14th. And I was like, did you know that was bestie day? Like that's the French national holiday. Yeah. And this patient just got like, so excited about that. And I was like, yeah, you know, my, my host mom will still sometimes like message me around that time in France. And then another patient had a cream that was, you know, creme de corps, which means body cream. And she was like, I don't know what that means. I was like, well, I know that that means <laughs> there we go. That was, you know, worth four years of undergraduate study. I just used my French major right there. <laughs> I can say La Roche-Posay very fancy, but I won't right now. So yeah, right. 
I love it. But, so yeah. you have this unconventional path to Pedsterm, but then um, like why academic Pedsterm? Yeah. And I think that kind of trickles back to like why mm-hmm. I really thought about being a PhD, you know, mm-hmm. and as an undergrad that, um, you know, really kind of sucked I, I just, in by the research aspect. Yeah, I, I just, I think if you have that kind of um, approach to your practice where you're constantly asking questions and thinking mm. about how the scientific process can answer those, mm-hmm. like that just makes your job way more fun, right? Mm. Like it's one thing to just kind of plug through like what you learned or what you read about, but it's another thing to be like constantly asking yourself questions and trying to think about how to answer those. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it adds, you know, at least for me, like a depth of, uh, experience to my day and to patient care. And, um, you know, I also, I, 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 I think it's an invitation for us to collaborate and use our like amazing community. Um, um, you know, I work in actually a community satellite clinic. Like I am not at the big academic hub, you know, and I'm the only pediatric dermatologist where I am in Manchester. I have Dr. Pace and, you know, Dr. Mann, up north, but they're an hour and a half away from me. But I have to say that I don't ever really feel alone because <laughs> I'm either bothering one of you guys or like talking to a colleague. So, you know, I think that um, that is also a huge reason why I do academics and research is just to kind of stay plugged in, like mm-hmm. with, you know, with our community. It really resonates when you said it keeps the job exciting. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, in that kind of environment, then you are constantly learning too. So that, that's, I mean, that kind of thing is exciting and inspiring for me as well. Like when you get stuck or you stop learning, that's when things stop being fun sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, Um, and I think too, you know, like as I've gotten more, um, you know, just my initial exposure to, to Down syndrome and like their skin issues. And then like, you know, as an intern, just going to the literature to be like, I need to read more about this. And then just to see like, like nothing, it's like, uh Oh, like, that's mm-hmm. not good. Like we need to change that. And so I think that's another reason why, um, you know, I was drawn to academics because I think there's a real void um, mm-hmm. and there's a real like need to serve that community and, 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 you know, put, put things in that void. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm glad you brought up down syndrome. I know that you have been doing a lot of work in that space mm-hmm. in particular, and you are now, uh, you're leading the down syndrome PEDRA focused study subgroup. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk With to Christy me, Holland. Yes. Yes. You're <laughs> Christy Holland, Dr. Holland, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just tell everybody what, what you're doing, what is the group doing? And, you know, just mm-hmm. tell us more about your work in down syndrome. Yeah. So, I mean, we're a newer group. We started just last year. Um, I feel really fortunate that Pedra and, you know, so many of the senior members were really supportive of us starting this group. And so right now, and we just had a meeting this Monday, we're really trying to establish our infrastructure of setting up a centralized, you know, database through REDCap, like most of us do um, here at Dartmouth. And we're starting out with an ICD-10 coding 
study just to get an idea of why people with Down syndrome come to the dermatology office, because we know a lot about some of their skin conditions, but the feeling of the group was, is that we really need to try to understand like all of the potential skin conditions so that we know how to hone in and which ones to specifically study. And I also think with doing a coding study, it's quote easier, right? Than some other studies. And of course, you know, I mean, you know what it's like doing research with the privacy office and all this red tape, but you know, we're really making momentum doing that. So I think, you know, our first step is just to establish that network. So Hopefully within, you know, the next, um, within the year, like we'll have that study released and published. And I mean, already I know going through, you know, just some very, very preliminary data, like we're seeing more skin cancer than I thought we would, Mm -hmm. you know, like people with Down syndrome are living for a longer period of time. And like, there's really nothing about that. We need to start talking about skin, sun protection and and things like that. So I think we're going to find some really cool things from this study. Um, past that we are also working on a quality of life study, looking at how skin impacts people with down syndrome and also their families. There are very, very, very few quality of life studies in people with down syndrome and actually within, um, the, um, intellectually and physically, you know, um, uh, disability community. And so we're really trying to change that. And, um, we've had a lot of support from a lot of different people in PIDRA um, and, and creating that. And then I think, you know, our next big step, we were talking about this the other night, is um, uh, jumping over to learning about systemic medications in people with Down syndrome, specifically biologics and to an extent JAK inhibitors, and seeing what are their side effects on these meds. Because I think that there's a lot of hesitation to prescribe some of these medications to people with Down syndrome. And I think a lot of them do need it. (laughs) And um, so we're going to try to understand that better and link in with the NIH and a lot of the work that they're trying to do through the Down syndrome include project and kind of get bridged in with the bigger Down syndrome community. So I, you know, um, we're a new group, but I think it, like we're energized. We've got a lot of stuff, you know, going and, um, you know, I think in five years it's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. You know, in, in, as you, you know, this, Jen, like you start one thing and then it just kind of builds on the other, mm-hmm. but we we're, we're really fortunate to have an awesome group of like very committed people and. I have, we have like a great research fellow now that Pedro is funding. And I just feel like things click into place once you have that. So, um, so yeah, yeah, so that's our, that's our group right now. Um, <laughs> it, it's been really rewarding watching your group start as this, you know, new subgroup, you know, as you said, mm-hmm. just about a year ago and all the momentum that you have and all of the activities that you have going on within the group. And now you have a funded mm-hmm. research fellow for the group. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are really big accomplishments to have taken place inside of a year. And that's pretty exciting. It's very it kind rem- of you to remind because in the moment, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. how long have we been working on this IRB? But no, you're right. It's good to kind of take a step back, you know, yeah. and look at that. You know, it is, it's a lot to have accomplished. And I think it's a really beautiful illustration of just sort of how PIDRA is able to function in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I have been here for six years and I have seen the organization grow in incredible ways in a relatively mm-hmm. short amount of time. Oh, and yeah. right. like the, you know, something like putting the Down syndrome subgroup together is just like mm-hmm. this perfect illustration of how nimble our organization can be and how quickly right. our community can fill in a need. It's oh, super absolutely. exciting to watch. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to say and not to have COVID taint anything, but it's like, but also with that all in the yeah. background, right? You know, absolutely. so um, I mean, I think it's just amazing now that we have access to a statistician. I mean, that's been incredible. Like we set up our red cap for our ICD-10 study and Tasha, who's, who's our fellow. And I like sat down and chatted with her and she was like, oh, no, do this, do that. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, this study is going to be so much more successful now because we had that input really early on and she's going to help us along the way, you know, and she's done, you know, work with so many of our groups. So I think that's just like, so, I mean, that's incredible. I remember getting that email and I was like, ah, (laughs) I'm so excited. You are, you are are totally like the poster person for the research toolkit, because I was talking with Mm -hmm. Catherine Devonport a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about all the resources that you have utilized within PEDRA. And it's so exciting that they're there and now they're being, (laughs) I've read through that toolkit a lot. (laughs) We appreciate that. Catherine a lot too, you know, and that's been really, really, really helpful. So I think, you know, um, you know, and this is just to say for like potential younger investigators or like med students or residents listening, like it's been really awesome to have a fellow like here at Dartmouth who had a lot of institutional knowledge. So she knows the IRB, she knows REDCap, she knows all that stuff. But then also to have you guys know your like institutional knowledge of PEDRA and like having walked through so many of the studies and then have like both of you guys work together. Like it, it's been so helpful because I think that there's things that like Tasha doesn't know anything about, you know, Pedra, you know, and now she's learning from you guys. So I think that's, you know, that's been really awesome. So I love that. I mean, that is, that is just, it's the work in action. And I, I just love it. Yeah. It's the reason why I will never, ever leave this organization. You guys will have to kick me out if you're tired of me. Uh, like ditto, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. I feel like I have, I could really carry this interview on for hours, but, um, before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. tell us something about you personally that maybe not many people know. Oh, I mean, I, so I love music and I played a lot of music growing up. And then I think, unfortunately, you know, you get busy, you go to med school, you have kids, blah, 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 lots of excuses. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I've like recently, um, gotten back into music. So I'm a saxophone player and, um, I started out playing the alto, but in high school, I switched over to just playing baritone sax, which is like bass wow. saxophone, uh, cause I always wanted to be a bass player. Um, yeah. So I play in a band now it's like me and let's see, Dale, Chip, Rob. Yeah. So there's like four, four other dads. <laughs> And we have a great time. We just mostly play around kind of the Concord, New Hampshire area. But uh, yeah, so every Wednesday night I'm at band practice, just being a total, total band dork. Um, So yeah, so that's like, 
been such an awesome addition to my life. And, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know if that's going to be like a, you know, a secret about me, but like, hopefully that just continues to be more of my life and it makes me happy and gives me purpose. So, yeah. I think that's awesome. I think we definitely need to have a Pedra talent show at one of our meetings because you are not the only person who is musically inclined in the network and it would be so much fun to get everybody together and have a talent show. Totally. That would be totally bring my saxophone. Oh, you should. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, Dr. Rourke, it has been an absolute pleasure visiting with you. Oh, Thank you here, so Jen. much for coming on yeah, to getting to know you. Me. Of course, it's my enjoy. pleasure. Thanks Thank for you all for you guys all do. of your amazing work that you oh, accomplished. With right back people. at you guys, please. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks nice very talking much. with you. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you so much to Dr. Rourke for joining me today on Getting to Know You. You can find more interviews online at www.pedraresearch.org. You can also listen to them on our podcast channel, Pedra Pearls and Getting to Know You. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you check out our YouTube channel. It's YouTube slash Pedra Research. Uh, Make sure and give us a like and a follow on YouTube. Thanks so much.